Listening to the Coffee Hour, I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Thanks to Concordia University Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. We continue our conversations in the Set Apart to Serve series today, and so excited to have our dear friend, the Reverend Dr. Roosevelt Gray. He's director of LCMS Black Ministry. Pastor Gray, welcome back to the Coffee Hour. Thank you very much, my friend Andy. It's so good being back with you. It's been a while since we've chatted, and I'm excited because in Set Apart to Serve, we get to share some personal stories, particularly from our church workers and how they got interested in church work and their early years of formation as well. And so I'm excited to share your story because just through our years of of friendship and lunch conversations, you shared some of these stories with me, and I know it's a, right. it's a really neat and unique story. So I'm excited to right. get to share this with our listeners today. So so let's start with that. When did you first start thinking about serving in ministry? Well, ministry for me was was not the the the, the conventional way of ministry. I, I grew up as uh, AME and Baptist, African Methodist Episcopal and Baptist. My wife is third generation Lutheran out of the Rosie Young Church Planting Endeavor. In, in South Alabama, they grew up in a little small town called Buena Vista. Rosa planted a church there in 1916. And, uh, and so her grandfather and father were members of that congregation. And my wife was born in Mobile, Alabama. So when her parents moved to Mobile, they joined uh, Trinity Lutheran Church and then Faith Lutheran Church there in Mobile. Well, I grew up Methodist, African Methodist Episcopal and Baptist. Uh, my folks, when they lived in rural Alabama, they lived in a little small town west of Montgomery called Togaville. And these were circuit-riding congregations. Once a month, worship at a little AME church there. And so, so they were not really active-going church, but they had been a member of that church. When they moved to Montgomery, they, they, they joined the Baptist church because they didn't have an AME church close by. And so, but they never went to church with with. My sister and I, I was the youngest. My sister was three years older than me, and it was eight of us in the family. And they would send us to church every Sunday morning, the two of us. So she, three years older than me, she and I walked hand in hand up to the Baptist church. And 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 I get there, you know, being a young kid in church with your sister alone, hearing the message. And it seems like the pastor was always preaching hell, fire, and brimstone sermon. And, and I, I joke about this. I said, oftentimes he would put us in hell and forget to get us out before we left church on Sunday morning. <laughs> and so I was always fearful and frightened of God because the preacher had a powerful message about, you know, God is an, is an angry God. He's out to get you. And, and I couldn't go home and tell my dad that I was a sinner because the pastor had said, sinners, you're in the hands of an angry God and you're dying and going to hell. And and I couldn't tell my dad that because I know he's going to take me back up to the church and ask, well, what is Junior doing up here? He's going to go to hell. <laughs> so, so, Andy, I would suffer alone in bed and thinking that, well, the preacher said God is coming. And my story is that, and I, 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 I just remember it this way, and I don't know if it really happened this way. I'm a young kid, you know, probably three, four, five years old. And so I, I, I'm in bed, and I, I would go to bed every night. And I would say that little prayer that, you, you know, we all would say, 
Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take and wait for God to come because the preacher said he was coming. Yeah. And one night I'm there in bed and oh man, something jumped on the bed. And I said, well, there he is. Preacher said he was coming. He's, he's, and uh, an hour went by and he had done anything. And I'm thinking, wow, what's going on here? So I looked up and there was a cat on the bed. I chased the cat out of my room. <laughs> and uh, and so, and that went on for a little while. And I don't know how long. And then my dad and his brothers, and it was a big family of 10, eight brothers and two sisters. And so he and four of his brothers go fishing on Sunday morning. So he took me out of church and started going fishing with them on the backwaters of Alabama. And my story is this. So I'm going fishing with my dad. My dad was probably as tall as I am, probably never as big as I am, but he said, and so, so I, in my little small mind, I'm thinking, okay, now God come after me. I know my dad is a big guy, a bad guy. And if God come after me, I think my dad can take him. <laughs> so, so I'm sitting here on the backwaters of Alabama fishing the Alabama river really not fishing. I just went for the lunch and would fix a, a mean lunch, you know, to go. And, and so then I'm out of church from a small kid to college. Only go to church when funerals or weddings and things like that. And not really growing in, in my faith. I'm not sure I could have, could have, I don't know if I had memorized any Bible verses at that time. So I get to college <laughs> And uh, I was in the band. I played the tuba. My wife played the clarinet. And I saw this beautiful young lady in the band practice room. And I thought, wow, that's a beautiful young lady. So we started talking. And her thing was, well, we can date. But if you're going, we're going to date, you're going to have to go to church on Sunday mornings. Yes, I like her. And I said, oh, man, here's this church thing. Here's this angry God against. I made a thousand excuses why I couldn't go. And she answered every excuse. And finally, I said, okay, man, I got to go to church. So I started going to church. And I would slip out of the dorm on Sunday mornings because Sunday mornings, they didn't have an early breakfast. They had a brunch. Get dressed, get in my car, roll it down the hill. We were in North Alabama, at a in North Alabama, crank it up, go get, go get my fiance, who, who is my wife now, take her to church, come back. And most of the guys were still in bed by the time we got back, jumped back in the bed. So my roommate one day said, man, where are you going so early? And I told him, I'm just going out drive. And he said, no, I'm going to church. <laughs> and, and so, so we, we graduated from college. We get married, moved to Jacksonville, Florida. She said, well, you're really not an active church goer. You're, you, you say you're AME, but I, I don't think you're anything. So we got to find the church. And the first church which went to at that time, I think they still were a, I forget which Lutheran church it was. It wasn't Missouri Senate, but it was another church. And I didn't think those people were very friendly. And I told my wife, I said, I don't think I'm going back to that church. So her sister said, there's a, there's a, a, a Missouri Senate church on the north end of town. Go and visit that church. And so we went. Man, he was friendly people. And they knew my wife because many of them were Lutherans who come out of Alabama and places like that. And we got actively involved in the church. And I said, my first thing in the church where they wanted youth people and they, because we were kind of the, one of the youngest couple in the church, they said, well, we want you guys to do youth ministry. And Andy, I said to them, well, I'm not even a member of this church yet. They said, that's okay. We know your wife. You're going to become a member. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm thinking to myself, you know, God, God, I, I, I don't even know if I was referencing in my mind whether or not this was the work of God or what it was, but it was just strange. 
And so we got involved in church. We were volunteer youth director. We were young adult leaders. We got in Bible study. And it was a lady in the Bible study, our Sunday school teacher named Grace Solomon, Grace Solomon. And Grace was just an outstanding woman of God. I mean, she taught us young people so much. And we would go over her house, young adults, and we would do all kinds of things. And she was the first one who said one day, said, Roosevelt, I think the Lord is calling you to ministry. And I'm thinking, you know what? I'm in church. I'm doing a lot of work in church. I don't know anything about this ministry thing. So don't don't talk to me about that. <laughs> and she kept saying it. And so we started doing every fifth Sunday, we put together a youth servant. And the kids would do everything. They would be the ushers. They would do the readings. They would do all of that. And the pastor said, well, you either need to get a, a, a younger pastor to do the sermon. Well, well hardly any young Lutheran pastors in, in, in the city at that time. Or you and I can work together and you're an elder already. I was already a young elder. I mean, I'm not 20, I'm not 25, 26 years old now. And so he said, you will put a sermon together and then you could read it. I said, okay. And so one day he came to me and he said, you know, you do a great job of putting together worship service and doing a great job presenting the gospel. But have you ever thought about being a preacher? And I'm thinking, oh, man, don't go there. I, <laughs> I have no reference to that. I mean, no one in my family that I knew of at the time had been a pastor in a church. My mother told me once I became a pastor that her second oldest brother, he was the second child in a family of 14, was a AME pastor. <laughs> I did not know that. And he was, he was pastoring a small AME church in Selma, Alabama. And so, and so she said, yeah, my brother's a pastor in Selma, Alabama. And so then I said, well, I'm going to go see him. I was in Selma for some meeting there and went to see him and everything. But it was just that kind of reference, you know, I never had this, this idea of becoming a pastor. And when the pastor said it, I pushed back against him. Then he told the elders and I was the young, youngest of the elders. All of these guys was like my father figure. They were old, much older. They had kids my age. And then they started encouraging me. And I'm thinking, so I just got tired of it one day. I said, well, what do you need to do to become a pastor in this church body? <laughs> so the pastor said, well, you need to go up and visit the seminaries and talk with them about it and everything. They'll let you know what all to do. So my wife and I, we took off and drove up to Fort Wayne to St. Louis, visited during the, student, during the student visitations and came back home. We still were not convinced that this is something that the Lord wanted us to do. And then her brother came over. He was just out of the military. He'd gone to school with us, just out of the military college. And she was talking to him one day. She said, you know, they want us to give up everything that we have and go up to that seminary and maybe become a pastor. Then my brother-in-law, who was there, he had just gotten out of the military, wasn't married, had his duffel bag full of all of his stuff. He said to her one day, he said, well, maybe you're attached to too much stuff. He said, see that duffel bag over there? That's all I have. Whenever I get ready to go somewhere, I put my clothes in the duffel bag, put it in the car, and I'm out. So she finally said, okay, let's, let's, let's pray about this and see where the Lord leads. And the Lord led us to pack our stuff up, go to Fort Wayne. And in 19, let's see, when was that? 84 and 88, we graduated. And I, my first call was the vicarage call that I had was in uh, Houston, Texas, Mount Calvary Lutheran Church. So it was very unconventional. You know, as I said, I had no reference about what it means to be a pastor. And I was always fearful of God because the preacher had told me that God was an angry, bad God, and he was out to get you, and sinners go to hell. And I, and, and I was scared to death of going there. And uh, like I said, I couldn't tell my dad because my dad was one of those guys where 
if you were to act up in school, act up in any place in the community, he'd take you back to the place where someone said they saw your son do it. And, and spank you either in front of the class or at the church or wherever you were acting up at. So, but that's wow. my, that's my first reference. Huh. And, and really, and to think about it, it's been 88 to now, 8, 19, 11, 12, it's been 35 years ago. Wow. Well, we have more to learn about this story of your yeah. path to ministry and how the Lord formed you in ministry as well. We're going to continue the conversation in just a moment. We're going to take a quick pause here. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. So, Pastor Pastor Gray, I love your story about your journey to the seminary, and I'm sure I could sit and listen to you talk about this for like ten hours. But I know we only have another twelve minutes. I'm kind of sad about that. But okay, that's okay. <laughs> I want to know more about your work um, as a, a Black Lutheran working in churches. What were those years like for you from the time you went to seminary to now your work in Black ministry um, and now even as the uh, director of LCMS Black ministry? What are some of the things you can tell us about your experiences? Well, well, when I went to the seminary, Fort Wayne Seminary, that was my first first time in in, in a, the formation of a, of a Lutheran educational institution, learning how to be a pastor. So I'm coming out of the parish as a youth director, small groups director, as a young adult director. Now I'm training to be a pastor in the church. As I said, I still don't have any real reference about what that's about. And so I'm there with all of these other guys. It was a hundred guys in my class, a hundred in that class that graduated. And I'm going through the processes of learning theology, you know, pastoral theology, systematics, theology, history, historical history, theology, and theology of, of exegetical theology, learning, the, you, you know, to read the Bible and, 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 and the languages that they, they're written in. And, and basically start building community there with guys who are going through that and learning what that means to be uh, preparing yourself for, to be a Lutheran pastor. They call it a Lutheran ethos. So I'm learning more about that. I'm learning how to do that and, and, and becoming uh, the idea of what it means to be a pastor. And so you get all of that down two years, the vicarage year, and then you come back, you finish up your, your, your fourth year, and that's your master of divinity. Then they send you out to a call. My first call was to the church that I vicared at. They sent me to Houston, Texas at a vicar at Mount Calvary Lutheran Church. Now you take what you've learned and you kind of put it into practice for that one year and get ready to be a pastor as you've been formed from the seminary with theology, now you got to go out and, and put all of this to work. And so I served there one year, came back, finished up my Masters of Divinity, and that congregation called me back to pastor them. 
And so that was my first call uh, out of Vicarage, out of Vicarage. And so and so I, I was there for that. And, 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 and then I learned what it meant to be a Lutheran pastor, learn what it, what it meant to, to understand the theology of the church, the ecclesiology of the church and how to marry those things together and then how to serve people in a local community. And, and I had learned a whole lot from that congregation experience where, where I was there, basically the youth director, young adult leader. Sunday school teacher, elder in the church, vice president of the congregation. So I'd had some experience in that at a local congregation. Now I'm serving a local congregation. You served in the local congregation as a pastor. You you mentioned earlier that your background grew up with a more of an AME, African Methodist Episcopal back, background or, or Baptist background. Would you say that that's probably pretty typical for most Black Americans that their church affiliation is not likely Lutheran uh, as a child, but more AME or Baptist or something like that. What was it like being a Lutheran, being a black Lutheran pastor um, in a denomination at that time that still had a, many people from um, European heritage? What was it like serving as a, a black Lutheran pastor and connecting with other black Lutheran pastors? What was that experience like? What I learned from that was that the Lutheran Church had been in Black ministry since 1877. For the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate, through the Synodical Conference, they sent a missionary south to kind of evangelize the South to see how they can go about working among African Americans and Indians in the South. And he came back and he said the conditions there in 18, the, the late 1800 was very deplorable. We need to send workers down there. And so at that 1877 nautical uh, conference convention, they voted to send the missionary down south. And uh, Dozier was his name, Frederick Dozier. And so he started in Little Rock, Arkansas, 1877, started a church there, St. Paul Lutheran Church there, and then went to New Orleans, started a church there, St. Paul's Lutheran Church, and there were some other churches down there. And then he le- he, he it, then he left the, the, the black ministry and went, and to a white congregation there in New Orleans. And then uh, Niels Bakke came in. And, and so there had been black Lutherans in the church now, you know, for quite a long time. But I didn't know anything about the Lutheran church. I, my only reference were AME and Baptist. And, and, and I'm sure they preached the gospel and I heard the gospel, but I had not heard it as clearly as I'd heard it when I, when I went to the Lutheran church there. And because there's that, that great distinction that we have between law gospel and the preponderance as, as, as Walter said of our preaching must be the gospel. And so I heard the gospel more clearly. And, but I realized that there had been all of these black Lutherans who had been Lutherans now for three, four, five generations coming out of the South. And I don't know if you guys know this, but one of the greatest bishops of the AME church body was Daniel Payne. And Daniel Payne had grown up in North Carolina, South Carolina as a Lutheran in the in, in South Carolina Senate at that time. And Daniel Payne had gone to the seminary over in over in Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, but they, they didn't have a black church back in the in the in the early 1800s for him. So he went over to the AME church by the tried to send him to Africa to be a missionary, but he didn't want to go to Africa, so he went into the AME church body. He was one of the greatest bishops of the AME church body. He brought education into the AME church body. 
and brought a litur- liturgical style of worship in the AME church body. But I did not know this. I did not know the history of, of Lutherans and, 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 and Black Lutherans in the LCMS. So there had been a rich history of Black Lutherans. And so I learned about that history, Rosa Young and all of the, uh, all, all of the early Blacks who were, who were in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate, and served in this church body. And all of those pastors, right now there's probably about 130 predominantly Black congregations and probably about 120, 25 Black pastors, predominantly Black pastors in the church. And so I learned a history of Lutheranism among African-Americans here in America, that in the 1800s, late 1800s, the Missouri Senate group had a passion for going south and serving the Black population and the Indian population. So now what is the work of the of LCMS Black Ministry and the, the Black Clergy Caucus? What is it that, that these groups and, and you are specifically involved in today? So, so, so there are three things I do. Number one, I, I serve the predominantly African-American Lutheran Church, as I said, about probably about 130 churches. Like many of our churches, they have declined. Some of them are closing today. Uh, I work with congregations that are in changing communities, congregations that are trying to reach a different ethnic population, mainly black or, or if they're African or any other ethnic group who would love to try to figure out how do we serve those. So there are congregation in changing communities. I work with them to try to help them to identify resources and outreach programs in order to do that. And then with the Black Clergy Caucus, basically, I work with them and the Black pastors in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate, to help them to work with their congregations and communities, and then work with the Senate at large, with their districts, to talk about how do we address the issues in urban and inner city ministries that these congregations are serving in. And one of the issues that we as a, as a church are, are looking at is the need for church workers now Correct. and in the future as well. What does set apart to serve mean for black congregations and, and black ministry? How are the resources for set apart to serve being used for black ministry? Well, the, the, the thing is that I, I think someone is going to be at the Black Clergy Caucus in October to lay out the plan for set apart to serve. And from that, then we will we will work with the, uh, that or set apart to serve materials and to identify how do we reach younger men for ministry, younger ladies for the diaconate program. You know, I I was I served at Fort Wayne for four years as uh, admissions and recruitment officer, and so I think set apart to serve is going to help us to to emphasize getting back to the ground level. And working with congregations to identify future leaders for the church, and I think we've gotten away from that uh, for a little while. And I think it's time to get back to the local congregations that use these resources to help the church to identify who are the future leaders for the work of the ministry. What are some of the opportunities that you see for using these set apart to serve resources with LCMS Black Ministry, with with a Black Cler- Clergy Caucus? With all of the, the people that you're involved with, what are some of those opportunities that you're lo- really looking forward to? Well, we, we, we have five, five areas that we're looking at. Recruitment, we're looking at uh, communications, ministry focus, we're, we're looking at revitalization, and we're, we're looking at, I think there's a fifth one there, I can't think of it now, but we're looking at those areas where hopefully these materials can help us to identify ways of serving 
these congregations with these five areas of emphasis that we're looking at. And we, we passed th- those areas in our convocation in, uh, last summer. And so that's where we are hoping to use these materials to identify ways of serving our congregations and helping them to identify those five areas of outreach to these com- communities and these congregations. And we have just about a minute left. You touched on this a little bit earlier. What would you say to someone who sees that their neighborhood is changing or a nearby neighborhood is an, a different ethnic group than their own? What would you say to them in in their interest to reach that community with the gospel of Jesus? Well, I think the first thing is to acknowledge the fact that there are people moving into your community who are perhaps, uh, perhaps of a, another ethnic group. And then you got to be aware of that. you got to make yourselves aware of that and, and just acknowledge the fact that it's the reality. Uh, and then the second thing is to talk to your district and talk to Senate about what are the resources that we have as district and Senate to help us to do outreach among these different ethnic groups that are moving in or generational groups that are moving in. And then not that, to ask Senate and district to help you to train and prepare your people to do outreach among these different groups. Our guest today, the Reverend Dr. Roosevelt Gray, Director of LCMS Black Ministry. Pastor Gray, it's always a delight to talk with you. Thank you so much for being our guest on the Coffee Hour. Thank you guys for having me. You can learn more about Set Apart to Serve by visiting lcms.org slash SAS. You've been listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.